Hello. <laughs> Hi, John. Hello. Hello. Hi there. Ahoy. Are, is everything okay? Oh, yeah. See, see, I did it again. I asked if everything's okay. I should stop doing that. Yeah, everything's okay. Well, it's yeah, it always makes... It always makes me feel like there's something in my something in my tone that makes you feel like there's not something okay, just right out of the gate. Oh, well, of course there is. Oh. <laughs> well, in that sense, no. Well. <laughs> not everything's okay. okay. Oh, no. Well, the listener, the listener can't know that sometimes, it, and who cares, it takes yeah. varying amounts of time for you to get situated after the call has been picked up. Um, and I've become the sort of person who says things like, is everything okay? Oh, you know. it's kind of a you're, it's a grandmother transition. You're transitioning into it's grandmother. grandmother. I'm, I'm transitioning to becoming a grandmother. I'm yeah. being fretful, and I'm trying to be a professional grandmother. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. Every it's a lot to take on. I mean, everything for me, is a lot. Everything is a lot. Everything is a lot. At, at a certain point, I don't remember when, but it was several weeks to months ago. I transitioned to doing the shows from my couch. And so there's a little hmm. bit more, um, you know, like ruffle, 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 ruffle as I get situated because I'm, I'm laying lengthways on the couch. I've got what? a Pendle Pendleton blanket over my legs. Okay. I've got my coffee over here on the coffee table. I've got the computer in my lap and I'm holding the microphone in my hand. You've got to be shitting me. And so, and I'm looking out the window. The you're creek supine. is you're supine right now. Yes, I am. The creek is huh. high. Oh, um, and um, the creek is high, and so it's you know it's 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 producing what probably sounds like a little bit of just static in the in the mic, a little bit of a shh. Mm. No, no, my bloody Valentine took my hearing. Um, so <laughs> I just I don't even hear rustling anymore. I just yeah. hear tremolo everywhere I go. Um, uh, but you're okay. Wow. Okay. So in the past, so I've been doing uh, this for weeks like this. I had no idea. Cause I've seen photos of you in what appears to be your bed with a mm -hmm. microphone. I guess the one that's really hanging a couple things hanging me up. You got to like sit up probably to drink coffee. So you don't choke unless you got like a coffee straw, which would be weird, but you're hold, you hold the microphone in your hand. Is that accurate? Here's the, th yes. I, so okay. I, I, I'm sitting up, I've got, a, I've got like four pillows kind of propping me up. Oh, like FDR. Like, I feel exactly like FDR. Uh-huh. And you got um, the blanket, La Pendleton blanket, just like FDR. I've got a nice Pendleton blanket like FDR. The, the one, the one trick is the, the SM7B, which is the microphone that I use, that a lot of us use. Mm-hmm. Uh, it comes, it's built in with a with a kind of mic adapter stand holder thing. You know, it's got an apparatus. It's not just it's got a, a, it's got a dingus and then yeah. if you choose to you can use that dingus to screw it into something. Right. And uh, and then there's another little thing where you where you put in your your cable. Yeah, it's got a little cage. And mm -hmm. in the old days, the very old days when we were recording all the way back in 2012, I had a little desktop mic stand that was like a heavy weighted bottom thing that this screwed into that was only it only was a foot high mm -hmm. and all the years that we recorded um when i was recording at my house and at my office the mic was on the mic stand but then i would pick it up off the desk and i would rest <laughs> it i would rest the mic stand on my basically on my chest that is so weird 
Never once did I ever sit with the mic just sitting on the desk on its stand and like lean in with, without using my hands. You know? You're like Mork from Mork. Hmm. Well, I mean, like, you know, like he drinks milk with his finger. When he sits in a chair, like he kind of sits on his head. It's like you got a different way of doing things. I never could, I never could not hold it. And then when huh. I, when I professionalized my, my rig, when I started having, having first Adam and then Ken actually over to the house, I bought those radio station, big springy boom mic things, the big like boing, boing, boing. Yeah. Kind the of, boing, boing shock mount. The shock mount things. Mm-hmm. And I put the mics on those and that's fine. Those are mm-hmm. fine, but I'm constantly fussing with it. But, you, you know, but, but it sounds like it gets in the way of you holding it in your hand, like Bob Barker. I'm making a lot of references today, and for that I apologize. It's early, Bob it's Barker. a Monday. But, you know, or like Gene Rayburn with that long, slender uh, microphone oh, you used to hold. such a great mic. I, I wonder if, if I could you... get a mic like that, I would do exactly <laughs> oh, what you're doing. Oh, it'd be so beautiful. Dumb Donald is so dumb. It's Are like a tall this? tulip. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, Dumb Donald is so dumb. He's so dumb. Are you ready for this? Dumb yeah. Dora... You know, yeah, no, that's the way yeah. that they could work in a uh, one doesn't say. Well, let's just say they were they were invaded by Germany. It's not Czechoslovakia. There was a certain kind of joke that was uh, very popular in in my time when I was, as a youngster yeah. about a th- supposedly not very smart the pe- the supposedly not very smart people of a certain country. And boy, they had a lot of problems. They had screen doors on submarines. They lost the recipe for ice. And those were very popular in the seventies. They were extremely popular, John. And I'd never met a person, you know, whose country had been invaded um, in that way. But I think that dumb Donald and dumb Dora were a way to slip in. You know, I see. a little bit of to, Warsaw to, humor. You know, to use those jokes is the thing. You've got all these jokes stacked up. You don't want to, you, you can't use them anymore, but then, Mm-mm. oh, you invent a dumb Donald. Yes. There it is. Now you can yeah. open the strategic reserve of uh, Warsaw humor. That's right. Dumb Donald is so dumb. I would totally get a mic. I bet they exist. I'm not going to look right now. I would do that. I also think I, I'd like to, I'd like to think about standing while recording, but I, for mm. some reason I think, you know, I'll do it right now. I'm going to stand. Okay. I bet ready? there are people that do that. Oh no. There are people that do that. I, yeah. I, um, I received as a Christmas present a few years ago, uh, a very sweet mm, passive aggressive. Oh, I'm going to sit down. I don't like this. No, um, uh, um, it's not a passive aggressive gift, but sometimes gifts come with a message. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like a free message, an unstated message? Sure. Go on. Like if somebody gives you, if somebody gives you breath mints and soap. I see what you're saying. But um, what I had done was, I don't know if you're aware, there was a wonderful, I consider, fairly classic children's toy uh, of recent vintage. And Ikea makes this play kitchen. Oh, the play kitchen. Sure. We've had... A play kitchen. You can put a battery in it, and, and you can make your heater look lit up. And but it runs so around? many things. No, we didn't have one that had a battery. Well, okay, so but, but the beauty part of the IKEA kitchen is that, like most, I don't know, like there's a lot of criticism, again, back to the 70s. There's a lot of criticism the toys, toys were like way too specific for like, oh, this is, this is a gun that does this thing or blah, blah, blah. The IKEA kitchen, like you can make lots of different things out of it. Like the, that could be a cabinet or that could be a microwave or that could be whatever you want it to be. I use it as a standing desk. 
when my daughter outgrew the interest in the IKEA uh, kitchen, which was a great a great gift, third birthday. Yeah. That, that was the year. Uh, she, it's the first day she remembers me ever saying the F word. I was trying uh-huh. to get Buzz Lightyear out of a box. Uh-huh. That's what she remembers. Best best Christmas we ever gave her, and that's what she remembers. Third, she's three years old, and she remembers Daddy's F word. No, third grade. It's sec- oh, third grade. Well, oh, it might be. Oh, no, it was. It might be earlier than that. No, I it, remember. I but remember. it was around Toy Story, so that would be summer of 2010 into 2010. But the point is, at one point. In one of the mini purges to try and get her room into some kind of a condition, we moved the IKEA kitchen into the master bedroom, which is where all things go for a while. Mm-hmm. And it was by the window. And then one day, out of nowhere, I says to myself, I says, huh. I says, I could look out this window into the park where the Confederate ghosts live. Right. Which is a nice, pretty nice view by, you know, Western San Francisco standards. Well, and definitely the higher up you get, the nicer it is. That's true. That's true, and we're we're above the first floor, so we get a nice view. Anyhow, yeah. I took my took my uh, computer machine, and I set it atop the IKEA play kitchen, and that became. I mean, you could call it a yeah. It was a standing desk, and wow. that became the thing. Yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea you were doing that. Oh, I did it for for a, a few years because uh-huh. I like to move around, you know. Yeah. And if I'm at home, an you know, some guy. and this is back at the time when my family would be out of the house sometimes, which they are not now. I mean, your school, but you know, my lady—that's her—that's her office now. I sleep in my wife's office at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel, I feel you, dog. And thank you. And then mm. for Christmas a few years ago, I received a gift that, that I understood to be a gift that comes with a message. And, and if I'm being honest, my beloved lady friend—you know, she's terrific. She, I do. Um, she does give me the occasional gift with a message. Uh-huh. And I'd be happy uh-huh. to share some of these with you because some of them are pretty great. I did get the standing desk. Because I think that, it, and it has like a robot, so it can rise and go up and down. Sure, it's got I've a seen hole. that. It's a nice, it's a nice standing desk, and uh, I've gotten. Uh, a, a what, what, what was yeah. the message? Did did she did you she put it not, in the kitchen? You, we need to get rid of the IKEA play kitchen in our bedroom. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah. You right. think? Don't you think a little bit of a message? For sure. People are looking up. Ghosts yeah. and whatnot. Well, it's, yeah, it seems like what what uh, she's just professionalizing you. She's like she's she probably is. thinking, oh, what you would prefer is yes. one that. Uh, well, looks- that that's a wonderful way to put it, and I think it also could be a way to say maybe we don't want all our neighbors to think Dad's making make believe breakfast. Okay, right, because that's not entirely implausible, right? That somebody would come on a tour and they would see Merlin's. You can do whatever you want with it. No, go, oh, I, I mean it's. I so, I mean, I do get, I mean, when I get personal care products from her in my stocking, I don't sweat it too much, right. but like I have gotten like, oh, look, here's some new sweatpants for you. And they're, they're tactical mm-hmm. and they're nice. And, mm-hmm. but the real message there is they're also not what I call my shipwreck pants. I have several mm-hmm. pairs of what I call shipwreck pants, which are pants that no adult man should wear because it looks like you were just in a, a, a shipwreck in, in an inexpensive TV production. And the main way they show that you were in a shipwreck, apart from you crawling up on the, on the beach on the set, is that your pants are tattered. Yeah. Oh, Oh. wait, you have... But are they 
are they professionally tattered from like a studio or have you just tattered them by walking? No, around? no. Well, I'm glad. You, I'm really glad you asked. Uh, you know me and my 501s. Yeah. Uh, and I'll just wear those, boy, for a real long time until the crotch blows out, till the knee blows out. But I, I have a couple pairs of sweatpants. I know we don't like American apparel anymore, but a mm-hmm. long time ago, when we still liked American apparel and the mustache man, I mm-hmm. bought several pairs of their sweatpants. And as you know, I have a short rise. So I have a lot to deal yeah. with in this world with my short rise. I like these sweatpants. They're sweatpants from probably 10 to 15 years ago. And they... They look like I've been in a shipwreck. So when I get sweatpants, that's that's a nice way of saying maybe you shouldn't be shipwrecked anymore. Oh, oh, you got new. Well, again, it's a message, is what I'm saying, John. I think sometimes gifts come with a message. No, sometimes gifts gifts are like a friendly intervention. You're describing situations where I I can only imagine that the gift giver, in this case, your your uh, lovely wife, she is is terrific. She's she's really something. And uh, I think what she is thinking is that you are wishing you had some new sweatpants. Not that she wishes you had new sweatpants, but that you were wishing you had them, but you didn't have the, I don't know, whatever it takes. The the wherewithal. Yeah, whatever combination of factors it takes for a man to just get his own new sweatpants. Yeah. Which, as you know, is more complicated than it sounds. Oh, my goodness. I'm always experimenting. I bought some some a few days ago, and... The rise is still too long, John. I, you know, I gotta say, and I, I don't know, I don't know what our status is uh, with the with, with this uh, with this enterprise, but I have some of those like groovy uh, sweatpants from Mac Weldon. Oh, did and, you get the Ace? Did you get the Ace sweatpants? Uh, I don't know. They have, I don't they, remember which one. Mac Weldon's not a sponsor this week, so oh, but they will bad. be now because we've talked about them and they should pay us, like like gentlemen. Yeah. Yes, I as you as you may know. I know you don't listen to podcasts, but I'm a big fan of Mac. Well, I'm wearing a oh. Mac Weldon shirt right now. Sure. Um, well, they've got they've got a couple of pairs of sweatpants, and you know I tend to shy away from anything that describes itself as being a technical fabric mm-hmm. because I uh, because I feel like there's tech and then there's fabric, and I want to keep oh. those. I want to keep you know on the on the on my plate. Uh-huh. I want to I want to keep the tech and the fabric from touching. It's like potatoes for you. That's right. Don't and even so, put them on my plate. Well, no, I'll I'll put both on my plate. So it's like I don't uh-huh. want I don't want the noodles to touch the cranberry sauce. Okay. Right? Right? Sure. I yeah, I yeah. want the noodles to touch the gravy. I'm fine oh, with that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they should be they should be in deep sexual congress. I get yeah. what you're saying, but, but like, I don't want, you're not I don't against an improvement noodles. to a fabric. You'll wear pants covered with wax. Yes, but but you don't but, want one of these high tech, you know, uh, thing that uh, wicks. You're not a wicker. Mm. The thing is, uh, what I loved about Mack Weldon at first was they had that underwear that had silver threads in it. I loved that because that seemed like something the Egyptians would have done. Sure, the oh. Egyptians made tiny little micro silver threads. They wove them out of the uh, out of beehives or whatever. Right, but so, beehive but, from sil- silver beehive. Okay, yeah, but. If a if a if a fabric has too many capital X's in the in the word, mm-hmm. if it's called like X wing sweatpants oh, or something, I get it. okay. Or oh, wing. that's 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 a marker for you. You can go right past. I I think about going to someplace like you know I I I I enjoy REI. 
I'm an affiliate member. But there are too uh, many. Too many technical fabrics. Well, there's that money. one brand, and I don't know what it's called, like Arcturix or something. Yeah, Arcturix. And it's like actually, but it's and you it's see a it on the wing, oh, with a, no, it's a wingless, a featherless, a flyless bird with with uh, hairy feathers. I think that's an axolotl. <laughs> oh, oh, sure. Axolotls. You know, axolotls are permanent juveniles. Really. There's a, I learned about this on YouTube. There's a lot of anomalies. Uh, we should say that for another episode. But sure. you go and you go to the rack, and maybe you go yeah, over to here, so. you go to there, you look at these. But the Arcturics, that stuff is like, you take you take a costly REI item, double it. That's yes. just expensive, and I think it's extremely technical. It's very technical, and it's very expensive. And I think that it is too expensive to justify. I've never justified it. I won't do it. I go so to that, R, I've been to REI a lot, and I've I've never bought an Arcturix. It's the Apteryx. The Apteryx is a, a wingless bird with hairy feathers. Are you thinking? Are you thinking of uh, what's his name? Asterisk is that, is that the name of the uh, the uh, like he's like a Norwegian cartoon character? The, the little Viking with the feathers on is his, that his head. Name? No, is but he's name? got feathers. He's got feathers. feathers, and they don't have him at REI. No, Apteryx is uh, okay, was the okay. uh, was the bird. In the uh, comic strip BC, before BC became like a crazy, it got preachy, John, super religious, weird. How did this get into the funny pages? Uh, well, Johnny Hart, strip? buddy, you know, save it for Wizard of Id, right? But keep it out of Wizard of Id too. I know. It I got, I, really, it got really preachy, and it got almost to like a family circus level of. There, there's a difference between loving your God. And doing good works and just turning into a little bit of a weirdo. And like Family Circus, I think BC turned into a little bit of a weirdo comic. I'm, I'm going to say it went all the way over. I mean, mm-hmm. by, by its very definition, BC, at least in the old nomenclature, mm-hmm. stood for before Christ. Yeah, it has an awfully yet- Christian vibe for something that precedes our Lord. Yeah, we've got we've got cavemen who are like kneeling in front of the in front of the the, the North Star on Christmas Eve or whatever, and uh, and and all these shadows of crosses and stuff. Christ isn't even born yet. You ding dongs. Yeah, you know what? Like when so um, when um, like Santa Claus is coming to town. When Mickey Rooney uh, gets all horny for Jesus and talks about the holiest of nights and that hot the hot uh, the hot singing woman, mm. you know the woman by the fountain. I don't know if um, I've ever seen it. Oh my God, my love is beginning. Oh my God, she's so hot. She, she <laughs> looks like were... a mo- she looks like a like a hot like uh, tarted up Medigliani painting. And that's I thought you were right you're in breaking my... into wings. I thought you were doing my love. Oh, Does it good because it sounded just the same. And I was like, wow, this is an, I've got to see this film. Love... Oh, I can I can hear that. I can hear that. I miss sing songs. I miss sang a song just this weekend. But then, um, or or, or when Linus is on stage and oh, he's yeah. reading the thing, oh, sure. you know, from probably uh, probably Matthew, probably some like some real basic bitch gospel. Uh, might be John. Know, doubt it's John. I I get some of that. You know that I like that, that mid, feeling. That's that, that little bit of that is nice. Yeah, it's nice. A little bit is nice, but BC. Mm, no, it went over. And I'm just reading here. Mm-hmm. That um, uh, BC started in in 1958, so perfectly right in that right in that peanuts Christian uh, little envelope. But that that not Gary Hart, Bob Johnny Hart. Hart? I want to say Johnny Hart. Hart. Johnny Hart. Gary he, Hart uh, had uh, had intercourse on a boat. Remember, he Oh well, or allegedly. Well, and then he John, challenged the media, and that's really where it, where it took a turn. 
Johnny Hart died at his drawing board. Oh, my goodness. Did he come back three days later? Isn't that a great story? He died at his drawing board. Oh, wow. that, do, you, do you think that's the way to go, John? I don't know. I mean, there were several years where BC got so bad, because you know how I feel about the comics pages. I'm very, very... I, I, I want to literally though. beg you not to get me started on the comics pages. They were in decline when I was still considered a young person, and yeah. I, I don't even want to get started on what's happening with comics now. But it I, used to be a treat, John. You would get the Cincinnati Inquirer, the Sunday edition, and you'd pull out. It was it was like maybe not a War and Peace, but at least a Heart of Darkness sides tome of yeah. full color comics. So beautiful. Oh my god! Like even into like junior high, it was still really good. Then the yeah. papers got smaller, like Gloria Swanson said, and then the comics got weirder. And it was yeah, they, more trail. They, they made us. They made us how we are. How they made us how we were, and that hmm. and and how we were is it made us how we are. Hmm. But I remember many years sitting there reading BC and wishing that Johnny Hart would die at his drawing table. So oh, maybe it's me. We're getting it. Oh, okay. Look, not, did you feel like that when you were extremely young or as he moved more toward the Lord? Mm. When I was young, I had BC books. I had the books. Yeah. Like I had the collected works of Johnny Hart. No, I loved it. Yeah. I can, I can still almost recall a wingless bird or flightless bird with hairy feathers. I, mm-hmm. I, that still pops into my head all the time when I look at stuff. I go, hmm, that's just like a flightless bird with, with hairy feathers. But, uh, but no, at a certain point, it wasn't funny anymore. He was throwing the G's all over the daily comics page <laughs> in the middle of March. Huh. It's like, geez, that's not here, a holy bro. time of year. No, well, I guess it could be. I guess, yeah, sure, maybe? March. Okay, Lent? let's say August. There's nothing no, no, happening I understand. in August. Yeah. Like, whatever it is, what, what, my daughter asked this question not very long ago. Why is there nothing in August? She's like, there are no holidays in August. Right. There's no religious anything in August. Ho- in has August has become almost like 1997. We all know that's when the French people leave Paris. And yeah. yes, there are vacation things. But you're right. August August is, is almost not there. If we had to cut, let's say we had to do some cost cutting and we had to get rid of one month, it would suck if it was a kid's summer vacation month. But I think August would come up. If you had to, if you, you know what I'm saying? If you took it to Congress and we really thought about this, mm-hmm. we fix daylight saving time, we do all the things, we get rid of pennies, all the things that make life a living hell. Mm. I think August could very easily be removed when we go with an 11 month year. It does feel like a mouths of babes thing. If we're going to eliminate, start eliminating months, I think we should go back to a 10 month year. Every, every, uh, every month has. 30 days, months. and then we have a 65-day Rumspringer, oh. which is uh, where, where it's just like there, it's, it's We could just have a month called, so so what if we went, so are you talking about, I feel like you're talking about like some kind of an old calendar, like uh, October used to be the eighth month, hence the Octo, right? Octo. November is nine, like right. Noventa. Right. Uh, December and is 10, as in decahedron. Dec, de, de, uh, Kirk, Kirk Decameron, that uh, kind of thing. Right. I get it. I get it. But here's the thing. If we did go, I'm going to call it metric. Like, if we did go metric, and we said, okay, from now on, there's 10 months, and they're all 30 days long. Right. I, I'm not going to do the math on that. I think that puts us about 65 days short. That's the Rumspringer. The 65 well, I was going to say we could have a month, a 65-day month called interregnum. Oh, interregnum. 
I mean, oh, like sure. somewhere, I don't know, you could also break it up into two or three. There's so many options if we would get our minds right about this. But we could have nice normal months when we need normal months. And then you could have, have like fucked up months, you know, to like fill in in between the way, you know, you add holidays and stuff like that, right? Oh, you're saying Ten put months. all the all the holidays in that 65 days? Are you but, somebody... Would you have? Would you? Where would you put these? Where would you put the room spring? I think there's there's a couple ways to do it. One is, see, I think of, well, okay, but August August is like I say, August is 1997. August is a Tuesday. It's the Tuesday of months. Mm. It does not have a valence, right? Mm. Mm. Does it? I mean, August is hot. Like, what? What is the deal? Like, there's so many. We don't obviously, as your daughter has discovered very wisely, there's no good holidays. What's name me a holiday in August without looking? The problem there isn't any. I mean, in in it's like it's like even the government doesn't care. Right in Seattle, there's there's um, Seafair, but that's like Hmm. not that's sort of like weeks of. Of could that, could that go back to July or into September? Yeah, I mean, it'd be the month of interregnum. No, well, it kind of starts in June and goes to goes. But the, but the, I mean, August is always tainted by the fact that school's about to start. I remember August first as a kid, like my shoulders slumping, going, "Oh, yeah. only one more well, month." Early August starts. is that's why early August is the Sunday night of part part month. Oh, I see. I, I still get last night. Last night I was a little bit melancholy as we record this. It's a Monday. I was a little bit melancholy thinking about how I got to get back to it, whatever the fuck this is. You and get you, know, back to the, it. you know, things we can't just sit around horse. and watch TV. Man on the horse? No, no you got to get back on the horse, Merlin. Oh. It's, here it comes. You know, like, yeah, you know, you're either going to get on the horse or you're going to get run over by the horse. Oh, I was like riding a tiger. I get it. I get mm-hmm. it. Uh, I don't know. But so if we were going to do that, though, I. I don't. You can tell me as the arbiter of calendar if this fucks up the ten month to the Kirk to Cameron. But like, it seems to me that we could cut that up in different ways, right? Oh, I it see. could be that a week you could here, do week it. There. You could have a sixty-five day interregnum, or what if we cut that up into say fifteen day slices? Or oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Or do six ten day yes party weeks. And then just add the extra, the, as we call it in uh, arithmetic, well, back before Common Core, the remainder. Well, Maybe the we strap that on to the end of December for like a mini pre-January. Oh, for like a New Year's thing. I don't know. I never liked, I never liked the last week of the year. Like a leap it, year. I, but leap this week. Is, do we agree that it needs to match the, uh, which one is us? We go around the sun, right? Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. It has to stay heliocentric, right? We definitely do go around the sun, and I do believe that it should match that because it's nice. You, you don't know, be cute I, about it. No, and the thing is, kids like like regularity. I think grownups do too. They want they want the um, they want the longest day of the year to be June twenty first, no matter what. So you got to mm-hmm. kind of keep that. You got to you know, there's a few tent poles that have got to be there. But I really oh, like, like in Doctor the, Who, a fixed point in time. There's some things you're not going to fuck with. We, do we keep, we keep uh, the birth of our Lord on December 25th? Yeah, that seems to be fairly well established, but only in a very small part of the world. Or maybe not a small part, but like only uh-huh. like a third of the world. A geographically small cares. part. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I do feel like I'm always bothered by the fact that the months aren't 30 days long. And I know that there's a way to do a 12-month calendar where the months are all 30 days long. And then you just have to, you know, toss some – keep some balls in the air. 
But, but we already do that. We just we just changed our clocks because someone told us to. They just said, guess what? Time changed. Time. Time, time doesn't change. Your clock changes. Time takes a cigarette and puts it in your mouth is what time does. How much does that cost? Uh, for time to take a cigarette and put it in your mouth? I mean, isn't that... That's these like days, cigarettes thing, right? are like 50 cents. They're, they're really costly. Yeah. I see... I think I see what you're saying. But you also... The way this dovetails with this program is... And, and I've seen various depictions of this. You Do you still believe that years have a shape? Yeah. Do, would you want to just real quickly review that? Because it's a concept... Because I think weeks have a shape. Yeah. Weeks, weeks go from right to left, which is unusual in, in my pantheon so, of things. Now, wait a minute, Merlin. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Sundays go. are yellow, and, uh, and then you go one to the left, and that's Monday. To the left from Sunday is Monday. Mm-hmm. And, and then keeps, the other days are in order after that, and then it, and it wraps back around. But it keeps going to the left. To the left. You're, you, you picture... You're, you're, I mean, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm seeing a Merlin week, and it's like in Korean. I uh-huh. didn't realize this. Uh, why, or Hebrew. This or Hebrew. You get Thursday. I, first of all, I've believed since the 90s at least that Thursday should be considered part of the weekend. Or as they say in England, the weekend. But what about Friday? Friday's definitely part of the weekend. That's, that's the problem. Uh, but Thursday's like pre-weekend. Like, for example, when I lived in Tallahassee in, in a town full of college students— in the papers, like Thursday was practically the weekend because sure. because of the students, I think. Sure. But Nobody I don't have a problem with that. I think the weekend should start on Thursday night is what I think. You know, I, w- I was having a conversation. But it goes right to left is what I was saying. That, that's, that's crazy, right to left. I was, ta- I was talking to a friend uh, via email, and, you know, th- this has come up many times in my life. The, 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 um, the, when I was in high school, most of the people I knew in school, and I'm not talking about my close friends, but most of the people I knew, they just wanted to get high and get laid. Mm-hmm. And and throughout my life, as I've gone through life, I realized that uh, almost, I'm not going to say everybody, but an awful lot of people just want to get high and get laid. And what they get high on changes, what getting laid like Like ne- looks Netflix like. maybe or something? Yeah. You know, I mean, definitely, definitely red wine. But it, sure. but they want to they want to be numb, and uh, they want to be coital or at least ejaculatory. Yeah, and what laid means changes, I think, over time. Mm-hmm. But but all of it, you know, from the time I was young, it really always looked to me like life was pretty simple and it was easy, and you just needed to figure out a couple of components, just a couple of things. If you could figure out how to get high, stay high. Or at least order your life so that you could get high and it wouldn't screw you up. I guess that's what it is. Most of the people I knew in college, they knew they had to get married. They knew they had to get a job. They just wanted to order their – they wanted to do what they had to do in college, study enough, pick the right spouse so that they could continue to get high and hopefully get laid with a minimum of – issues okay right because you don't want to get a job where you can't get high it doesn't matter the the tricky part is you're threading a needle if i understand what you're saying you're threading a needle because to be high you have to be high like Mm. you can't be not high and be high so you have to be high but you don't want to be too high in a way that that uh upsets the uh familial apple cart 
Well, no, there's a thing, right? There's there. It's a sliding scale. Like if your spouse also likes getting high, you guys can get super duper high and it's not a problem within your relationship. Hmm. But if you have a job that requires that you get up at five o'clock in the morning and have your periodic table memorized, oh yeah, you can't get that high. So you want to not get that kind of job. So you end up getting a job that's like, you know, that's like a manager of a dealership or like a, mm. you know, like somebody in a business, you get a, you get a business degree and then you go into business, but you're not trying to start a app or do a startup and, and be a billionaire. You just want to do business and business is the kind of thing that a lot of people do business high or they want to do business high. Or, you okay. know, like you go out in the afternoon and you get drunk with the client and the client oh. is like, I'm high. Are you high? Yes, I'm high. And it's like, this is business. Woo, we're doing business. I, I, I'm, doing this, I'm doing this for my work. We're do, yeah. And so work. And so what you want to do when you're in college is find that perfect spot hmm. where you, you, you get a job that is nice. You get a nice job, a good job. And what that means is you make enough money that you can be comfortable and also get laid and also okay. stay high. Boy, talk about a balancing act. Whoa, you know, and that's why – and I went to, I went to a, a Catholic school and those people really have it dialed in. You know, mm -hmm. like, like kids at an at a expensive Catholic school are – they're trying to find the – you know, they're trying to hit that nail right directly on the head, right? Because mm -hmm. you can guarantee, irrespective of gender, everybody at Catholic school is trying to get high. And, and if we're being honest, a lot of them are trying to get laid. They are definitely trying to get laid. That's, I mean, you know, there are other, other colleges, like at a, at, a, at a research university, there are people who are trying to do science, right? But that's not happening at a, at a Catholic school. Mm -hmm. Nobody's trying to do science. Nobody's people, trying to People are moving things around, making time. To, to do that stuff. But you also, if I understand, you're saying you're, they're looking forward. They're forward looking and yeah. thinking about a career. Maybe they could be like a Don Draper who gets to take people out for drinks. There it is. There it is. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And, oh, and, and crucially, they're trying to get high and get laid in the now also. Right? It's not a thing that they're like, one day wow. I'm going to be able That's to That's like get picking high up the tweezers laid. with the same tweezers. They're trying to do it and they're trying to do it right. Well, so my problem was I was never – I was super good at getting high, but I was never really focused on getting laid. And also, it never felt like enough. I didn't want to just I, – I was embarrassed that I was good at getting high. I wanted to do more. I wanted to, I wanted to accomplish something, and I didn't know what. Hmm. And – this has plagued me, and I still have the problem right now. Here I am, 53. I don't get high. What's, what even is getting laid? What, what am I doing? Why do we do it? You know, like if, if I had, uh -huh. if I had got, gotten a job at a Pontiac dealership, if I had been – well, that would have been a bad career course. But if I had been – Not at a certain time. No, that's true. I could maybe maybe Pontiac would have given me a good retirement. You could have been out there, uh, you know, pushing Catalinas. I could have switched over to Oldsmobile. but. Mm -hmm. But um, oh, you can move around inside the the Jam family. I believe so, but okay. you know, but you, I don't it's probably know. like I mean, priests. Like you cause some trouble, they they move you to a different diocese. You become or a parish. Dominican or something. Okay, 
I was, uh, yeah, you know, Lee Ray was a Pontiac dealer and he sold the dealership and ended up buying the off ramp and, and turned it into a sex dungeon. So, I mean, you know, Pontiac <laughs> dealership can lead to other things. <laughs> that was, uh, that was Lee Ray was the name of that person Lee, that made Lee a sex Ray. dungeon out of a, of an off ramp. Yeah. L L E E R A E. Uh, okay. if you, if you want to look into Lee Ray by all means, I might want to, um, so, but you don't want to die at your drawing table like Johnny Hart. No, and the you, thing you, is, you want to die. You want to die. Uh, you know, uh, having a drink with your dingus and somebody. There was a time when I wanted Thursday to be part of the weekend. I understood okay. it to be part of the weekend, right? And I understood uh-huh. the work week to be Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then the weekend would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday being slightly tainted by the fact that it that tomorrow was Monday. It's pre-Monday. It's just to the left, and so. And and also the week's going from right to left, but but for me the question has always been more about the why than the how. Why why you know why mm-hmm. do I want why do I want a longer weekend? It, uh, for most people it would be because it'd be more time to get high and get laid. Right. You, you do that over here on the weekend, and then the then Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday you're over here at work. You're not getting high or getting laid now, unless you're doing this. Gr- unless you really worked it out at Gonzaga, mm-hmm. and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you're getting high on the golf course or at your desk selling Pontiacs, <laughs> and maybe well, like you know work study work, yeah, whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? But but now, as you say, there's no Monday, there's no Sunday. Everybody's everybody works all the time. Am oh, I right that your yep. that your lady is working on Sunday now? Is she working on Sunday? Uh, no, no, no. Accidental work sometimes. Looking no, at the computer. No, you know though she has certain times a year, and now it's kind of one of those times a year where she does. She's where she's managing things. Like she, well, she manages. She's a manager. Yeah, she administrates. But there are times where she has to like check in on things, and sometimes I'll go in there and I'll say, "What are you doing?" And she'll say, "I'm just checking in on some email." And I'll say, "Okay, I'll allow it." Oh, she's but, checking you know, in. But no, like she cleaned the, the the bedroom yesterday, which is nice. Right, but that's not work. That's just. Oh no 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 no! She loves that. She yeah. loves that. Cleaning is about control, and I I totally support it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Sometimes you just need to control a small space. Sometimes you do need to control a small space. I did, it, I did it this weekend. I came in, and I count this as work. Back at my job, where I, it was billable hours versus admin, okay? Now, yeah. I had a lot of admin time, because I was also the Mac guy. This is right. uh, circa 1992. I remember uh, this. But, you know, you don't want too much admin time. But, like, the thing is, though, every job has admin time. And I, one of the ways I have grown as a person, I would like to think, is I have learned to accept and enjoy and embrace. The idea that a lot of the stuff that I do that seems like total bullshit is actually, it contributes to both my uh, my work and my home life. Right. I mean, like, okay, okay, big victory, huge victory for me is I fixed our smart home stuff. Oh, no weekend. kidding. <clears throat> well, it's, it's, it's too boring Alexa. to tell Mm, mm. Turn on the. I wish, I wish you wouldn't do that. Turn on the 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 colored lights. We say African American. Co- colored lights they hypnotize, spark in someone else's eyes. Yeah, I know that song. Mm. Um, but for example, 
And I, you know, I, I, my, my friend Jason Snell does this uh, a lot in a way that I admire. He writes about technology. He has podcasts about technology, but he's not afraid to go and do some writing or a podcast about like how he did his job in that case. Mm-hmm. And I get to do that too. So for mm-hmm. me, yeah. and this is why I get mad at my late, oh, she's terrific. I love her. But like yeah. when she rents a car and it doesn't have Apple CarPlay in it, I'm bummed because I said, oh. look, that means for three days I could, I could have been creating content. Yeah. On my technology shows, because I can talk about CarPlay. Now, with this the smart home stuff, I'm talking about, I fixed my smart home. Yeah. And uh, just for you out there, people listening, uh, my uh, for the last almost two months, my Philips Hue Hub has not been able to work with HomeKit. Oh, dear. Can't oh, even the imagine Philips that. Hue Hub can't even work with HomeKit. The Hue Hub hasn't worked with HomeKit, and boy, does that ever cause... But, you know, the only thing worse than something like not a rap, working... A rap feud? Is the Philips mm-hmm. Hue Hub yeah. like like East Coast, dissing West Coast. the home kit? I yeah. think Phil- Philips is in Dutch, so I guess that would be very East. Sure, Vluvishnuva. Mm. Oh, um, and so, but I fixed. Okay, so here's the thing, though. Like, I did fix it, and I, you know, I did I blew the whole thing up. I fucking. Oh no! No 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 no! No, oh, I, ter- I terraformed. I terraformed. Oh, you, blew, you blew the roof off of it. Well, I did. You know what the colonists are doing in Aliens. Or, or what they do on the Star Trek is like I terraformed, I Gaia bombed, and sure, I started sure. over, and sure. I fixed it, and now it's fucking great. All oh, of our, t- our tap switches work. Well, I mean, you know, again, to, to quote Jason Snell, here's everything you need to know about Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. They found Spock. Okay, let's go into four. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. Hi, Jason. I don't Lol. think he listens. Ah, <laughs> uh, <Lamau>. I So, wow. <laughs> So I, I, so, so, um, so I, I think I fixed it and now that's content on the Roderick on the line program too. Oh, see, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I'm trying to decide whether to get back into my version of that. My, my, so the, are you're, you're a fan of the band of horses. Yeah. I haven't listened in a while, but I, I love that. Uh, I love that record. That so, you know, I, we were band of horses formed here in Seattle. We were all, um, were they on sub pop. I feel like they were on, sub they were on sub pop. Yeah. Okay. We, we, uh, we, we were all part of a music community. Ben was in Carissa's weird for a while. The, right. Uh, the, oh, and, and they tried to get them for Barsook, but it didn't work out. Was that right? Yeah, that's right. Ah, that's I, what I, I like tried to convince him to be on Barsook and the, the, I, I played a show with Ben the first time he ever called himself horses. Hmm. And, you know, we're like, <clears throat> we were all part of the same milieu. And then after Band of Horses really, really hit. They got big fast. They, they, they just, they, they exploded. It was big. And he moved back to his native South Carolina and kind of uh, his decade in Seattle and in the music scene here, he kind of just papered over it and was like, no, 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 I'm a Southern guy. And I always was. And Band of Horses is a Southern band. And it kind of changed the, you know, it kind of just, you know, you, you can rewrite your story, but, but, uh, he still has a lot of connections up here and Band of Horses is coming and they're playing tonight. And I have not been to a rock show since, um, February of, of 2000 and I don't even remember what year. 20, oh, you're saying since, since the, um, since the pandemic happened, you have not, yeah. you have, you have not, you, are you being honest? It's okay yes. if you're not. No, I have not seen a rock show. And, and I, I, so my hack recently, hmm. once the things started opening up and bands started coming back through and they would write me and say like, Hey man, we're in town. You come to the show. I would say, Hey, why don't I come to your sound check? Right, because you got invited to like was not Death Cab, but something big. 
you were worried you were going to be invited and have to not go. I remember that. Yeah, there were, there, this has come up several times, and I realized, oh, I can just go to the sound check. So I go at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, hang out with my friend, watch the band. They, they, they usually play for an hour. Uh-huh. And it's interesting stuff. They play half a song and then the lead singer stops everybody and there's like, and he says oh, rah, 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 something, you know, inscrutable. Uh-huh. And then they do a little, another thing. And then, you know, the downside is you hear the snare drum <clears throat> hit, or as Nabil oh, yeah. used to say, I hit my toms more in sound check than I will in the entire set or in the entire week, you know, boom, boom, uh-huh. boom. He's like, that's already more times than I, than I hit it in the, in the set. Uh-huh. But it's fun, you know. I get I get to be in the club. I get to see my friend. I get to hear the music, but I don't have to deal with the with the stuff. But Band of Horses is coming tonight, and it's one of those things where uh, where uh, my daughter's mother started to put the put the elbow on me a week or so ago, and she, as you know, lovely uh-huh. lovely person. One of the and one you, of the you never did send me those pictures of her as Bellatrix Lestrange. Oh no, no, I'll, I'll I'll see if I have those. Like a, just a lot would be fine. But she um she's like, you know, she wants to go to the show. And the thing is that that part of the perk of even having me as her daughter's father <laughs> is that I can get her into shows and and she likes to be she she likes to be backstage. She likes to be on mm-hmm. the side of the stage. She wants to have the access. And and so that's, you know, that's one of the reasons you would put up with me if you were my daughter's mother. I see. One, one of the benefits. One uh, of the benefits. A, fr- a fringe benefit, as we used to say. It's a fringe benefit. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to go. And so, but the problem is at a certain point, it's not enough to just give somebody a ticket with a, you know, like a special ticket because she doesn't want to go stand there with special tickets. She wants me to go Uh and then she drafts off of me. And so (laughs) I'm like, ah, so, so this morning I woke up and I did what I have not done in two years, which is the whole process. Send the email to my friend who is running the concert and say, Uh Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. Oh, haha, I'm seeing in this email chain something funny that we said to each other two years ago. Um, isn't that funny, lol? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so, anyway, uh, Band of Horses is playing tonight. And are you going to go? I'm going to go. So, I don't know what that's going to take, but like, throw, you know, let me know. Uh, great to talk to you. Uh, see you at the show, maybe. Peace out. Is that is that a? uh, I imagine that's just as confusing for the person in the band. Are you dropping a hanky and saying it'd be nice if you put me on the list? No, it's not. It's not that because at a certain point in music, everybody realizes that going to shows is part of the package, right? It's part of the compensation package that we all have when you're young. Mm-hmm. And you're and you're starting out in bands, and you're like, "Hey, can I get on the guest list?" There's a, you know, there's all that, there's all that uh, tension about it. There's the, you're you're afraid of being told no. You're afraid. The worst thing is like, "Oh, sorry, the guest list is full." Mm-hmm. Um, and that's you know when you're going to the band and you're asking the band, "Hey, you know, can I get on your guest list?" And the band's got ten slots, and they've got their family and so forth, you know, and but but. Past a certain point in in the music business, when you have contributed enough into the 
energy of the machine, you never have to ask the band. I see. This is more like you're going to talk to Chad. You're going to talk to Chad. And you're going to talk to the boss of whoever's boss is the boss of the thing. And at that level, so at the very top level, at the level of, of like the Rolling Stones or Coldplay, they have the they have the ability, the insane ability to say, we don't have there are no comps to if you want to go to this show, it's $180 to sit in the nosebleeds. We give no comps. We give no comps to anybody. And of course that's a lie, because the guy, the vice president of Sony has 25 seats in the front row for his daughter and her friends. <laughs> yeah. But for the people in the music business that are accustomed to going to things for free, that some of those things, you know, five years ago or however long ago it was that I saw Adele, there were a bunch of – Chad had a bunch of seats for Adele and he was like, hey, you want to go? And and I could see Adele on this tour that Adele is doing. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's true. You know, Beyonce might want those tickets. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, you don't get any flack and you don't have to – you don't have to beg, borrow, and plead because everybody in the business knows that getting – that going to shows is just part of the – that's part of how we get paid. It's because part the of energy how we you put into the machine. Because you put energy into the machine. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're – because to the people that are putting on the shows, those tickets don't mean anything. <clears throat> you know, or they're – or no, that's not true. Those tickets are the – they mean everything in a way. But on one hand, those tickets are incredibly scarce and that's what gives them value. But on the other side of the desk – those tickets are are free and everybody knows they're free because they because they're meaningless. Hmm. And so the email isn't about like hey oops, you know, hi, can I get in? There's a certain amount of performance you have to do. Well, I mean, maybe one way to put it that's if I'm wrong, tell me, but like it's it, it the, the the there's a lot of parts of that that could change based on the fact that the the less that it costs someone to give you to put you on the list or let you in, the more likely it is to not be a big deal. That's if, it. If it's if there's no if there's no comps and it's sold out and and Beyonce has twenty five seats or whatever, like that's going to make it really complicated for that person. But but I think is that kind of what you're saying? Like if it doesn't cost you much to put someone on there, you're going to be more likely to be okay with it. That's one hundred percent true. And and it's and and what uh, what shows are the ones. That are, um, that are impossible, or rather, which are the ones where the value of the ticket has gone up so high past the threshold where it's easy to give them to John? But, but, uh, according to artist, or by no, 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 uh, just but according to the math, as you're saying, like at mm-hmm. at one at one level of the concert business, um, like your tour manager goes out into the room and counts the chairs by hand. Because he feels like the booking agent is trying to sell yeah. 20 extra tickets. But at another level, that booking agent probably already gave 50 tickets away to their friends. Like, but, but there is a threshold that I am priced out of a seat, but Chad could still get in. At the point at which Chad is priced out of a seat. I see. Then you're talking about. But he might not be able to see Adele. He can probably see Adele. 
it's a it's a question of can Chad. I guess Chad's always going to be able to do it. He's just going to have to kiss some ass. I tried to get my sister into a Coldplay concert a few years ago, and I went to my booking agent, Matt Hickey, mm-hmm. and Matt was like, like, oh, man, you're asking me the impossible because they do this intentionally. They intentionally make this hard on us. And he went to work. Oh, especially if you're dealing with like a Live Nation type thing? Yeah, exactly. I he, see. It's one thing for Chad to say, here's uh, – Here's the game changers. Right. Here's the I think game I can let you in. There's going to be several men in brown tuxedos and no problem. Mm-hmm. But if you're just the vessel, God, that must be a, such a strange move to not really be in control of your venue anymore. Right. And that and 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 Live Nation doesn't want to do any favors for Chad, although they do also at one level. They also want to lord it over him, right? And that and they become a kind of faceless nation. Anyway, so I wrote my friend, and he wrote back immediately, and was like, "Oh, absolutely, man! You're, you know, you're, you're, you and uh, your posse are on the list, and see it. I won't see you tonight because I, because I'm in the music business, and I don't want to see any music. But you have fun." <laughs> and so now I'm sitting here, and I'm like, going to see the Band of Horses is something that I, at one level, want to do, but that's about four percent. Mm-hmm. 96% of me doesn't want to do it, but I recognize that it's kind of like getting Apple play in my rental car or, um, you know, or setting up my home kit. Uh, it is part don't of, be a, don't be a cut. It's part of my job, <laughs> right? God made me. Sorry. It's part of what I do. Uh-huh. I have to do it because of the energy you put into the machine because I put the energy in the machine. I have to take some energy back out of it. Who knows what's going to happen next? You know, I could run into to Ben uh, on the way to the bathroom and he'd be like, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm like, wow, your southern accent's super thick now. And he's like, yeah, oh, man, we're, I'm from the south. And, I, and he could say, <laughs> we ain't got no fancy inside turrets. <laughs> and he could say, hey, man, I'm putting a band together called the Florida Crackers, and I want you to be the bass player. And I'd be like, wow, you don't have a South Carolina accent at all. It's like an Oklahoma accent. Yeah, it's like, weird. Shit, man, it's really weird. You got to, you know, get off my case. But but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, the, yeah. the other day. Is it tonight, John? It's tonight. How, how's your, is your lady friend excited? Oh, she's very excited. I'm not excited. But your kid's not coming, right? No, she can't. Oh, she can't. It's too... Oh, wait a minute. That didn't even occur to me. Uh, let me think about that. The, the other day we had an election here in Seattle. Did you did, did you follow the elections? The elections that were happening um, nationwide? Oh, gosh. I, I feel like I know this. I know there was Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah. The P- Pennsylvania... Or, um, obviously, Pencil. Virginia was a big one. Yeah. Uh, Seattle. In New York. Yeah, Seattle what was the one the, in Seattle? What am I, what am I missing? I, I know well, there we was have one. This, we, you know, we've got this thing with the... The everybody went uh, hog wild, but our but our city council's gotten very, 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 very uh, uh, progressive, and what that has led to is this kind of feeling among certain people in the city that the council's gone too far, and that they're not they're not uh, taking care of the city anymore, and and. Um, and you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of politics happening. The, now. I mean, like, like they're getting cute, like in a San Francisco way, like yeah. you're being helpful but dumb kind of thing, or, or like you know, like in San Francisco, we we get a little silly. We're no Berkeley, but we do get pretty silly here with a good heart. Is it that kind of thing? Like this progressive city council is has taken their eye off the ball of what people really care about? 
it, I don't think it's cute anymore. I think that it's that it's that it's serious. When I ran for the council, that was kind of the beginning of this period where one of the things that shocked me about running for that job was I thought I was going to run against the old conservative dude. And then there was a guy in the race who was positioning himself to my left, making me the mm, what? You're the cent- now you're the centrist. Yeah, like I, I've never, I would, at that point in time, I'd never been a centrist in my life. And he was coming at it from this like capitalism is bad, full stop. Like a universal basic income or something? Well, no, it wasn't that. It was that he believed that, uh, that property developers were the ones who were, they were the greatest evil. Mm. People that were building buildings. Hmm. Because the people that were building buildings were trying to profit, and so they were built. They were, in his story, the reason there was no housing for middle-income people or low-income people was the big developers were tearing down all the low-income housing and building new housing. Now okay. that's like the most simplistic way to describe what was uh, the whole symbiosis of a city becoming too expensive for poor people to live in it. It's not really the developers that are doing it. The developers are responding to the... Yeah, I mean, you've had some beefs before, if memory serves, with the way that things are zoned, that you can understand, just as you taught us all, you learn a lot about a city you know, and its history, but is it on a river or is it the, et cetera? But in this case, you, I feel like you've had a, some kind of a bee in your bonnet for a while about the way zoning works, right? Well, and this, and, and so the city council trended and, and they, you know, they did some wonderful things. The $15 minimum wage thing started, mm-hmm. started here. They did this, but, but, but the, you know, the, the whole engine of progressivism right now like at one point during the during the um, the chop last year, I definitely was super offended by the way the Seattle Police Department worked, and I was very very interested in rethinking police and oh, in sure. defunding them from having their tanks and well, along the and, lines of the the you know common sense idea that maybe not everything needs not every problem needs somebody with a angry person with a gun there. But a lot, but but that developed into an energy of, um, <clears throat> you know, of where there were now candidates in the race who were advocating for the elimination of the police, okay, the yeah. gradual elimination of the police and replacing them with a kind of, um, <clears throat> like a uh, like a mysterious potpourri of community, triple uh, A for mental health in some ways, and and and. And on like the roadside, side, roadside assistance for what you're dealing with, but you know we're not talking about like needing to bring in snipers to right. take out a hostage situation. And we don't need we don't need the police to do police things on as many things as they're currently expected to police. But it filters down to a level where it's like, okay, we mm-hmm. we definitely see statistically that a lot of people that are shoplifting candy bars end up in the police system. And they end up in jail for shoplifting a 50-cent candy bar, and they can't pay their bail, or they don't show up for their bench warrant, and now suddenly they've got a felony warrant for failure to appear, and then they go to jail for two years, because, be, not because they shoplifted a candy bar, but because they were indigent and didn't have resources, and this is the criminal justice system. It just feeds 
<laughs> disproportionately feeds poor people into the right. system, right? But <clears throat> the solution- I mean, it's almost, it's almost like a dragon protecting its horde. It's like, it's, it's once you really start interrogating this system, it is remarkable how tuned many of these systems have become over decades to specifically, like, seek out poor people. It's, it's amazing how well-tuned the system has been to, like, put them back on their heels, you know, for life in a way. It's difficult sometimes to find the fingerprints on it, but, boy, once you start looking into it, it is fucked up. But, but a lot of the evidence is in how you interpret statistics, right? <clears throat> I mean, it would be weird for a system to target poor people because poor people don't bring any money in except in the form of allowing police budgets to increase. In but, jails. you know, it's like, yeah. a, it's, like a, it's like a daisy chain, but it really depends on how you interpret the statistics. Okay. And, <clears throat> and so you look at that situation, the 50-cent candy bar. Mm-hmm. Well, so what do you how, what do you do about this? How do you reform the system? Well, there was a candidate running for city attorney in Seattle, and her platform was that uh, was to basically decriminalize petty crime uh, because the evidence, the statistics showed that there were you know all these candy bar shoplifters clogging up the justice system, and also then you know. Uh, becoming career patrons of the of the criminal justice system, if you will, <laughs> clients of them. Clients, yes, you exactly. Know. Oh my God! You know, we're like a few <laughs> weeks away from that becoming the official term. It's it, you know, it's what they it's what they do in the in the hospitals now. They talk yeah, about we don't the say patient. Yeah, yeah. They're 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 the they're the clients of the hospital. It's like, oh my God, no! Please don't do that to us. But so decriminalizing <clears throat> petty crime. You can see how the residents of a city would ask the follow-up question, which is, well, then what keeps people from just stealing? Right. Um, If there's no penalty for stealing candy bars, you know, like a shop owner is going to say, well, then what do I do when someone comes in and takes candy bars? Yeah, we've we've been facing a very similar thing with the um, DA, I think it's the DA here, who has, yeah, I mean, they're doing a recall to bring this fellow back because they say he's not taking, because they made some kind of a change was made. I'm going to put this uh, passively, but a change was made at some point where um, I think it was that crimes involving less than a thousand property crimes involving less than a thousand dollars. Not that they were decriminalized, but like it was almost like, you know, Amsterdam in um, the wire. It was (laughs) like, we're not going to pursue this. And of course that's concomitant with, with, uh, you know, there's there's all these shoplifting things that are supposedly going on here. This is way more complicated than it looks at first. Yeah. But, like many things in San Francisco. But yeah, yeah. And so that person is getting blamed for like, oh my God, my car window got broken again. It's this guy Boudin's fault. Well, and, and you know, and I, at, at some level, I'm sure the law and order people love this kind of, like, uh, the, the optics of people in downtown San Francisco just just running into stores and taking what they want and the cops are just standing there because the law and order people are like, this isn't going to last long. People, there's going to be a, 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 a real yeah. like, Almost like a false flag. This. Like this yeah. is, this is it. This is it. Like, this but, has got to be it. But the, you know, but the police reform candidate when asked what keeps people from shoplifting, you know, the, unfortunately they have to resort to just sort of hand waving about like, well, if there was enough mental health, counseling the person mm-hmm. wouldn't need a candy bar and that's not an answer to what do you do when they steal a candy bar 
it's the kind of magical thinking of like, well, if we take away the police, then eventually we will take away the need for the police. And the first thing to do is take away the police and then we'll take away the need or, or hand in hand. It's going to happen over the course of several years. Don't worry about it. But like as a, as a store owner, I have a bodega and it's kind of maybe a rough part of town. And like I already have enough to deal with right now. And But on top of that, you're going to make stealing candy bars legal. Yeah, and a lot and a lot of those stores end up like, well, I would rather close my doors than than uh, than just be in be in this environment. And this is the situation in Seattle right now. You've got downtown; hmm. it just feels it wow. feels it feels scary down there, and and so there's a pushback. Well, yeah, the alt the other candidate in this race, the city attorney candidate, is a uh, a woman who changed her party affiliation to Republican last year or the year hmm. before. She'd been a Democrat really? before. Now, Seattle has not elected a Republican to public office in decades. Washington hmm. State does. Sure. But, the, but the last Republican, um, all the like tough-on-crime people uh, that have – that have been in the city attorney's office over the last 40 years, they're all Democrats. They're just like tough on crime Democrats. Okay. But she's a Republican. And she was running basically on this platform of like, don't defund the police. Don't, people that steal a candy bar should still face consequences. Mm -hmm. And she won. Oh, wow. A oh, Republican. that's super. Was it, and this was on Tuesday? Or like was last yeah, election, she won the election. Damn, and 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 her. Was she? Know, what was the expectation? Uh, what was their sort of the the public reckon on whether how she would do? Well, so it, it, was so, the other candidate kind of weak? No, the other candidate was was very strong, but the other candidate had all these. You know, they found all these tweets, not even hard to find. Her tweets, her tweets from last year were like. She tweeted the chief of police and said something like, I hope you suck on a COVID dick and die, asshole, type of thing, hmm. which is like the city attorney maybe shouldn't talk to the chief of police. And she was like, well, I didn't know I was going to run for office at the time. That's a good point. There's a, yeah, so, you know, yeah, sure. Okay. 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 Oh, oh but, 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 but for whatever proportion of people don't want their candy bars stolen, that's going to make it not, not a very difficult decision, even if you're a Democrat. Yeah, so the Republican woman is probably not super qualified if you look at her at her CV. Like she is an attorney, but she doesn't have any really trial time or very little trial time. She was, you know, she was working in a, in the law, but she's not like she's she she hasn't done her time in the trenches. Not that her oh, like sometimes really you'll either. see like a public defender or a DA. Exactly. You know, go after that. I see what you're saying. Okay, somebody that's really been in the system. Mm -hmm. But she got all the establishment endorsements, and I think also just in the in the recent election there was a there was a, a, a like the new mayor is also the the more conservative of the two candidates, although uh, a liberal, mm -hmm. um, but the more conservative. But so but, I, don't, I mean, like the other thing, I, there's a I don't know, there's a word. I've been hearing a lot in the last few years that I think sometimes it's code, but it's still a very interest, it's an interesting word. Like we tend to think, when we tend to think about, um, we think about a sort of a one line axis of like liberal versus conservative, right? Or progressive versus however you put that. But like there's also this idea, this is a lot like D&D &D alignment. You know, like in D&D, &D, you've got are you good or evil, uh, chaotic or lawful. 
And you know what I'm saying? And I think like in this instance, we're talking about, are you an institutionalist? Right. Like, right. It, like you, you could be extremely radical, but an institutionalist versus somebody who, I guess that would tend to be somebody who's, if you're not institutionalist, you're a little bit of more of an, not an anarchist, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Does, is that, does that factor into it? Yeah. I think in Seattle, we're always interested in burning down the institution. It's just, we want to hear somebody that's got a plan for what to replace it with. And lately, that's, that's a good idea. Yeah. And lately there have been a lot of candidates and a lot of people in the politics here who want to burn it down and they feel like that's the means to the end. There's no, they don't have a plan for what to replace it with except for hand waving or like. The, so really almost like a, like a revolutionary, like I wasn't yeah. sure how we're going to govern our banana Republic, but we definitely want to take it over. Yeah. We're going to burn it down first. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then we're going to realize <laughs> that everybody is, a, you know, that, that, um, that now there are no cops. That means there's no crime because it was the cops that were creating the crime. But so I'm. I, it's I don't not live so in, different from Trump saying there'll be less COVID if we don't test. If we don't test, right? I I uh, I'm I'm not living in Seattle, so I can't vote in some of these elections, right? I can't vote for the mayor or the city council anymore because I have moved to the suburbs, and I'm in a different jurisdiction. So I was following the election. Just out of a, you know, old school love. I know, I know some of the characters. I know the new mayor a little bit. I know his opponent and oh, the mayor's opponent was by no means like a radical. She would have been a great mayor, um, but she was just running to the left of him. And so I know the players and I was like, I was following it along. And the, this Republican woman who's running for city, uh, city attorney, her name was Ann Davison. And, you know, I'd read a few articles about the race and I was, you know, I was sort of like, oh, that's interesting. The one person wants to defund the police. The other one decided she's a Republican. What kind of election is this? You know, I was just kind of like not holding my nose, but just sort of like, whoa, what's going on in Seattle right now? Well, so Ann Davison wins and I go decide I'm going to do a deep dive and see who the new city attorney is. And I start reading the first long article on her and there's a picture of her and I am, I scroll past it and then I'm like, wait a minute. And I scroll back and it's just like, it's just like a brick wall fell on me Wow! because Ann Davison was a super long winters fan. What? And went to a lot of shows back in the day was, like right up on the barricades, hanging out at the t-shirt stand after the show. Like I knew. Were you acquainted with her? I knew her. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and she was like, uh, like she, at the time she was a newly minted lawyer. She's a tall redheaded lady and, and, um, and, and a brand new lawyer and was really excited about the law and about having just kind of gotten, gotten her shingle and um and we used to talk about the law and uh like she came to see us play in other cities she came to see us play in detroit and then you know like if she was on business somewhere like and and i always just assumed you know i'd lost touch with her but she sent me a picture that this is um this is a year ago. She sent me a picture via email of her at the Western State Hurricanes show. 
and I and it had gotten lost in my inbox in during COVID because I was like I go, then I put her name into my email, and like these emails popped up from her from the old days and including this picture from the Western State Hurricane Show. Oh my gosh! And so I'm trying to you know here's the this uh, this person who has who is kind of the she's above the fold in all the news stories about the recent election because hers is the is the uh, the campaign that was the most like a Republican mm-hmm. and and I I have this picture of her like um, you know standing at the merch table going well I already own all the CDs and T-shirts but can I have a sticker Wow and it's it, it, it's um, you worry that you caused this. I mean, you know what I mean. Interpret that however you want, but do you think you had an influence and didn't realize it? Did Almost you radicalize her? Almost certainly. Almost certainly. And I huh. and what what I'm afraid of is that we're getting to the age, Merlin, where all Long Winters fans are going to start tipping over and becoming oh, centrists. Oh no! This is like, gradually... that, like that joke about reaping and sowing. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's time to sow. Mm-hmm. Reap. Which one are we doing? But I the one where we find out all our redheads, all your redheads belong to us kind of thing. I worry. I worry that as I, as I get older and find myself being cast more and more as the conservative. <laughs> um, in, in, by, in, by comparison. Yeah. In all these online dialogues where, where I'm like, well, you know, there do need to be some police. And then there's a bunch of people that are like, okay, boomer. It's like, God, I, I didn't. When, I when did having I had, I had the same. I had the same experience this morning because – in some, I think in a similar way, because, you know, ever since the vaccine came out and anyway, QED yeah. stuff has happened. But, you know, then the mandates came along and then like it was all these like union groups and, the you know, not the teachers, but like, you know, police and fire and all these places are super mad about the vaccine mandate. And uh, a new daily news show I like a lot today had a bit about going and talking to the people who were like in New York and protesting against the mandate. And I'm not saying I've changed my mind, but it was interesting because they talked to a lot of people, especially in the fire department where they don't like being told what to do. And yes, we can all have fun with the joke. Like, you know, why don't you do what the police are always telling people to do and just do the law? Like just uphold, (laughs) right? I agree. Like, you know, uh, Trevor Noah had a very, uh, a very sad and funny super cut of all the times during the George Floyd protest, the cops were on TV saying, just comply. Like, you know, right. don't, do, you know, just follow the law and please comply, do it, do what people tell you and all that shit. But no, but they were like talking to people and I don't know, well, but it was, it was interesting to me as somebody who's trying to keep an open mind about everything that a lot of the people they talk to are vaccinated. It's not that they're against vaccines. It really is that they're against an erosion of union power in some ways. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's an interesting <laughs> angle on that. And certainly there is just all, all the classic resistance. I mean, a fire person, fireman from New York, I, I'm guessing just in general, that's somebody who does not like to be told what to do. Right. But that's human nature. But I just thought that was interesting because I'm always interested when you dig a little, little bit deeper on something, or in this case, listen to a podcast, and you discover something where like, there's two things that you kind of believe in, two or more things you believe in, that then are kind of at odds, which is like, we got to get rid of this goddamn, you know, COVID. But also it's interesting to say, it's almost like the ACLU thing of like, well, yeah, we defend the Klan because nobody should be persecuted for something that is just speech. Right. right? And you go like for years. And then I guess the extreme example of that is like PETA. PETA has now said they don't want you to use the word bullpen in baseball anymore. 
You're supposed oh. to just say like arm farm or something. But oh, arm farm. You know what I'm saying though? Like it's mm-hmm. it's yeah. we you could look at that and say, Oh, that's the thought police. But I think in some cases I'm not sure I, I, this is always true or that I always agree, but I think it's interesting to say, well, maybe in thinking about how to approach getting rid of the COVID thing, one thing we should think about is like that maybe they're not doing this because they're obdurate about getting vaccinated. It's because they can f- already feel the erosion of their union power. and unions. Right. Yeah. And like, that's something I, I believe in that, like wire cutter is asking people not to go to the wire cutter site for a while. And I'm like, good for them. You know, like they're trying to get organized and get the kind of rights that any normal worker would expect to have. So anyway, I didn't mean to jump on here, but I think part of the resituation of people that would consider themselves to be a liberal as the people who are conservative is in part because maybe, well, part if, if, if everything else, but you changes in a direction, like that's going to change where you are because that's how, a situation works right but it's also i think it could also be that well i'm very attracted to ideas that are complicated and seem paradoxical and or you know what i mean and like so in your case now you but what does it come down to for you do you think there's anyone else you're influencing with your past rock music do you have any way of knowing no you can never know you right, never we, know, but you'll find we out. Can never maybe. Know. Well, yeah. but I mean, think about all. Well, the like, what if someone turns out to be a tower for. sniper? You know, and they're listening to, uh, you know, New Girl. It's not. I, I, I think <laughs> no, you are. No, of all, you are. Of all of those tower sniper songs that I have, New Girl. It never occurred to me, Merlin. You're right. It's a sniper. Oh, song. I could. Yeah, it might be more like not cinnamon. It might be more like. Scent of lime could be really. You could turn scent of lime into a real creepy. Oh no! It's like, everything is talking. Oh, interesting. Everything is talking. The it's a little uh, lesser known track. Probably people uh, people who are only only just familiar uh, with the band probably don't know everything is talking. But I do. I am fairly certain that Ann Davison, new city attorney of the city of Seattle, has everything is talking memorized. Interesting. That might be an interesting way to be able to trace the influence. So maybe you come through the side door. Mm. You come in through the side door and you say, uh, you know, Charles Whitman, uh, <laughs> what's your favorite long winter song? Uh huh. It's a shibboleth. A sh- it- <laughs> <laughs> Tradition. <laughs> Tradition.